Good morning, everyone. This morning, Paul and Chantelle asked me to reflect a little bit on what it has been like for us as a family to walk through this um, sort of strange and unsettling season that has been most of 2020. Uh, while I was preparing, I had this really random memory pop into my mind. As kids, we used to play a game called Dizzy Ducks. The premise was that you put your arms out, spun around as fast as you could, and then at an appropriate moment stopped and tried to walk in a straight line. And that describes a little bit of what 2020 has probably felt like for me. And over the last year, I've been constantly drawn back to the Psalms. And as I prayed and prepared this morning, the Psalms was what kept resonating, and so I ran with it. Walter Brueggemann talks about how in the Psalms we find Psalms of orientation, disorientation and reorientation. In Psalms that capture this sense of orientation, things make sense. The Psalmists talk about an inner sense of peace, calm, stability. Life is vibrant and healthy and God feels close. In Psalms of disorientation, these are marked by feelings of loss, despair, anger, fear, frustration, even depression. And the psalmist often experiences a disconnect or a distance from God. In reorientation, God moves the psalmist to new places of orientation. So the pain of what they have experienced in that season of disorientation has brought new understanding or strength or gratitude or perspective. Brian McLaren comments that struggle can lead to growth. That's what reorientation is about. And in a way, as I reflect back on my experience of the last year, it probably feels like I've gone through all of those seasons of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Sometimes I feel like I journey through those on my average week at the moment. As I reflect on how we've led our family in this season, how we've walked with Jesus, it's probably helpful to give a little bit of a brief picture of what the last number of months have looked like for us. Um, so I'll cast my mind back to the start of lockdown. Um, Johnny worked from home. I was furloughed, which I was um, exceptionally grateful for um, because I could parent our kids. Um, that involved normally doing some schoolwork with Karis while Matthew trashed our house. Um, and in a way, lockdown, despite its challenges, brought this sort of sense of simplicity, a, a time to slow down in a way, although it was intense and a real sense of gratitude. Um, in contrast, emerging from lockdown and trying to figure out uh, a world alongside COVID, um, with both of us working, the kids in school, has been um, a bit more of a challenge for us. It's been disruptive at times and truthfully, probably quite lonely. Over the last five weeks, we've had the joy of spending four weeks in isolation <laughs> um, with five days of freedom in between because both of our kids were identified as close contacts. Um, and so that meant that essentially me and the kids were in isolation, although not all of us needed to be. Um, can't really leave a four and six year old in the house by themselves. Um, and as much as I adore our children, um, the truth is that it's been really hard to do all of our parenting in such close quarters without the space of the great outdoors and the proximity of family and friends just to journey with us. It feels a bit like when we talk about that old proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, that isolation strips away the village, the people and places that we would normally gravitate to for support, even if just for a short time. And connecting online absolutely helps, um, but it's not the same. And truthfully, I've probably carried more frustration and anxiety as a parent than I'm used to. And I find isolation at times quite lonely. And maybe that's why for me, I keep gravitating back to the Psalms 
because I can connect with so many of the human experiences and emotions that are captured there. And just a few nights ago, I was reading Psalm 94 verses 18 and 19. And I'm just going to read those out. When I said, my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. And that was precisely what I needed to be reminded of that day. One psalm I have gravitated to over and over and over again, it feels like every time I open my Bible, I have to read this um, at some point, is Psalm 63 and in, in particular verses 1 to 8. So I'm just going to read that. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. David wrote this psalm in the desert and commentators suggest that either he was on the run from Saul or his son Absalom, who at one time tried to overthrow his throne. It was not an easy season but most likely one of loneliness, frustration and struggle for David. And I just want to pick up a little bit on some of the imagery that David uses in this psalm and that he alludes to that I find really helpful and that I've reflected on a little bit this morning. In verse 1, David speaks of the desert, that place of longing, of desperation, seeking. He describes it a dry and weary land. In verse 2, he talks about the sanctuary. A place of seeing, experiencing and knowing God's power, his glory and his love. And David was not at the tabernacle or the sanctuary when he wrote this psalm. But he knew that the sanctuary was not just a place, but a spiritual concept that could be entered into no matter where a person was. In verse 5, David declares, My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. And this picture of a banquet or a meal around a table probably one of those things we all miss at the moment, um, a place of celebration, feasting, fulfillment, that deep satisfaction that comes from a life that is surrendered to God. In verse six, David says, on my bed, I remember you, and uses this experience of looking back to rejoice in God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his help. I think it's probably fair to say that on a global scale, the current period that we find ourselves in could be described as a season of disorientation. The fabric of our day-to-day -day lives has been undone in many ways and there are so many things that sit far outside of our control. And early on, I remember in lockdown, I made a really conscious decision that I would control the things that I could as a way of helping me just to journey some of that. And I knew that one thing I could control was my pursuit of God. And so perhaps part of the reason that I'm constantly drawn back to this psalm is because it's given me some really helpful insights in how to pursue God and to help our children and our family to do that at the same time. So going back to David's imagery, I'm trying really hard this year to acknowledge the desert, to return to the sanctuary, to remember at night and to hold hope for the future.
Acknowledge the desert. Sometimes I feel like I am in that dry and weary land without water. At times that pushes me towards frustration and complaint, but I know what I'm really craving is space for lament. To cry out to God for the brokenness in my own life and to mourn the brokenness that I see in the world. And Mark Rogop says, as Christians, we lament because we know God is sovereign and good. We know his promises. We believe in God's power to deliver. We know the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And yet we still experience pain and sorrow. Lament is the language for living between these two poles of struggle and difficulty and pain and trust in God. And one practical thing that we found really helpful for our family is to talk openly about the things that are hard in this season, especially with the kids, and to acknowledge the things that we miss and we long for. So I miss hugging my parents. I miss my brother who lives in London with his girlfriend. I miss cups of tea with my friends while our kids trash each other's houses. I miss singing my heart out in church, standing beside another person. The list goes on. And alongside this acknowledgement of the desert, we try to keep things in perspective and encourage our children to have empathy and compassion for those who we know are facing much deeper struggles and difficulties. Return to the sanctuary. David declares, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And the word used in Hebrew is hesed. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but it is a love that is based on a covenantal relationship. Steadfast, rock-solid faithfulness that endures forever. David declares, God is faithful, he is true, he is upright and he is generous, always. God's love is not dependent on David's circumstances and his love is not dependent on ours. I recognise that we don't have the usual rhythms to lean into at the moment, but I've tried really hard to be intentional in this practice of returning to the sanctuary. And so for me, that's looked maybe quite unconventional at times. One thing I find really helpful is I run and I listen to worship music. I've been known to run up to Sandy Nose with a little hand in the air. <laughs> at various points, probably drivers wondering, oh, what is that girl up to? Um, but that's been really helpful for me. I've been intentional whenever I get in the car with the kids to put on a little playlist um, and we drive along and sing, ho, ho, Hosanna. Um, we've been carving out space to try and do shooting stars each week. We've been making sure that we pray together. So it looks unconventional, but it's that focus on returning to the sanctuary. Remember at night. I remember really early on in lockdown thinking about how I needed to consciously keep things in perspective. And so I'd often climb into bed at night and take time just to thank God, even for the simplest things that day. And with virtually all opportunities stripped away with uh, to be with other people, with parenting occupying 100% of my time, prayer became the one thing that I could actually invest in. And truthfully, I probably prayed more then than I have at any stage of my life. Praying with our kids has all, always been a long-standing part of our bedtime routine. I do recall one night where we spent 25 minutes praying for all the animals in Streamville Farm, which was a particular highlight. Um, but it's also been significant to listen to them pray for others and encourage empathy and compassion in this way. And one night I remember Karis praying for some of the children that we sponsor through Stand By Me, that when life was difficult, God would whisper this in their ears, her words, not mine. It's okay, I'm with you and I love you. And I think that's something that each of us need to be reminded of. 
especially when life is difficult, and to declare just as David did, God, you are my help. Finally, hope for the future. David writes from the desert, alone and on the run. It's often struck me that it doesn't say my soul is satisfied, it says it will be. And it reminds me that we live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And a crucial part for us of how we walk with Jesus as a family is how we play our part in bringing about God's kingdom on, on earth as it is in heaven. On the one hand, I suppose one of our frustrations has been that restrictions have stripped away um, aspects of, of how we would have put that into practice. Most notably, the practice of hospitality, that ability to invite other people into your home, to share your table, your food, your lives. Um, but we've been challenged. We might not be able to practice hospitality in the way we, that we normally would have. Um, and so it's maybe encouraged us to be more intentional and creative. So it's been in the ginger snaps that we deliver to our neighbours on the street or the picture that Caris drew for Sam, our elderly neighbour who spent some time in hospital. Equally, we've tried really hard not to let lockdown and COVID stop us from pursuing the things that we feel God has called us to as a family. Mother Teresa once said, the problem with the world is we draw the circle of our family too small. We've always wanted the circle of our family to be drawn bigger than just the people that we're related to. And one way we've tried to put that into practice is through loving and supporting and praying for the children that we sponsor. Another more recent development for us is that in the midst of the madness, we've also just been approved as respite foster carers. That's been a little bit of our journey this year. Um, to finish, I'd like to share just one final story. I read a story on the BBC recently um, and it resonated as I reflected on this Sam. Um, and this season, and it described how one of the hospitals in England had created what they called a wobble room near their ICU department, which was a place for staff to go, to have a few moments to themselves, to deal with whatever emotions they might be feeling at that moment in time, sometimes to have a good cry, as one nurse described it before they went back onto the ward again. But in that wobble room, they also had a board, and it said this, when this is over, where staff had written down their hopes for the future. They'd written things like, go on holiday, celebrate my birthday, see my son again, hug my mum. It felt a little bit like an earthly insight into the sort of tension that we as Christians live with all the time, not just in the context of COVID, that lament and hope live side by side. Lament is that cry of brokenness, of pain, of anger, that all is not as it should be. Hope is the practice of choosing to trust God and knowing that the season of lament does not last forever. David was physically surviving in a desert, a dry and weary land with no water, and yet he testified to God's goodness, his love, his power, his glory, and spoke of the future with hope. Acknowledge the desert, return to the sanctuary, remember at night, hold hope for the future. Like David, we get to cling to God, to sing in the shadow of his wings, to experience his love. And then we are called to go and share that with the broken world. Let's pray. God, thank you that this morning we can call you our help. Thank you that we can cling to you. We pray, would you lead us to follow you more closely? Remind us of your faithful presence and your love. Teach us to lament for the things that break your heart 
and then go and do something about it. Help us, God, to hold out hope and live in a way that faithfully points others to you. Amen. Thank you so much, Laura. That was so honest of you, you know, so, so practical and so many things there to take on board for ourselves and our families. And I love that Laura said she learned from the Psalms that the sanctuary is not just a place to go to, a physical place. It's a spiritual concept you can enter into wherever you are. And I just really have been feeling that for our YouTube church you know it's hard not to be together we lament that but yet we choose to enter into the presence of God in this sanctuary and just as we finish with the song of worship um, I just want you to open your hearts up to God and ask Laura said so many wonderful things there but what specifically is God speaking to you about what resonated to your heart I mean, for me, those words of little Karis saying, it's okay, I'm with you and I am and I love you. Like maybe some of us just need to hear those childlike words of faith this morning, God saying, it's okay, I'm with you and I love you. Maybe some of your hearts were moved when Laura shared about drawing the circle of your family bigger and you're going to begin or continue the journey asking the Lord, what does that mean for me and for our family? And just that we want to look forward to when this is over. We lament what we lose, but we choose to trust and we choose to give out hope and we choose to display that and try to offer that however we can to other people. And maybe there was something completely different that Laura said that spoke to you. But I just encourage you this morning, it's not just something to watch church and turn it off and take your box god is speaking to each one of us he's inviting each one of us into this story so as we finish with this song of worship just ask the lord to continue to prompt you and speak to you and show you what your next step is in pursuing him as laura so wonderfully shared so i'm just going to hand over to the worship